an award-winning movie that was released in 1993 held a murderous secret. An old man and his dog featured a dog whose real-life owner was used in the same movie as a body double for the main character. Years after the movie's release, it was revealed that the man was actually one of China's worst serial killers, and his victims became the food for his beloved dog, who featured in that award-winning film. This is Red Rum, stories about the true victims of crime. Cheng Peng was born in 1962 as an only child, into a pretty well-to-do family, where his dad earned good money working in a political organisation. He had a pretty nice upbringing and by all means was well looked after and had a good childhood. But from early on, his parents and teachers knew that something wasn't quite right. He got excluded from his school after he was caught bullying some of the other students. And when that teacher went to tell him off, Cheng ended up attacking that teacher. Cheng didn't get good grades though and in normal circumstances, this might have made it hard for him to get a good job. But because of his dad's work and the contacts he had, Cheng was able to get a job working at a forestry institute. But while he was there, he didn't make the best impression. He was rude to his colleagues and he didn't have any friends there. He wasn't great at his job and it wasn't long before he stopped doing the work he was supposed to be doing and instead started stealing things from work that he'd then go on to sell. Cheng's stealing became more of a habit over the following few years and when he was 17, he was caught stealing a TV. He was arrested and sentenced to two years behind bars. He was offered bail but his dad, who by this time said he wasn't going to help him out, refused to pay for his bail. After his release date came and Cheng began to try and immerse himself back into life outside of the prison walls, his mum and dad introduced him to his new wife. The thinking was that this woman, who had a good social standing and a solid job working at a scientific research institute, would help to straighten Cheng out. But after the couple got married, Cheng would find himself spending days and weeks at home alone. His new wife was off working, oftentimes being away from the house for weeks at a time, and this meant Cheng had free reign to do pretty much whatever he wanted. During this time at home on his own, he decided to get dogs. He started with just one or two of them, but this increased quickly and he got more and more by the day. He had no idea how to train them properly and would spend his days attempting to settle them. But one time he decided he wanted a break from his home life, despite his wife not being around and spending most of her time at the Scientific Research Institute, he still wanted to get away. And so he took a three-day trip to the city of Lanzhou. He was traveling home by train after those three days were up when he noticed a 24-year-old woman sat in the train carriage across from him. The woman's name was Hu and she was a student who was on the train going to visit her family. Cheng managed to get Hu's attention and the two started speaking. They had a long conversation before they had to get off the train and it ended with Cheng giving Hu his phone number and asking her to call. She did call him later that week and the pair started talking. It wasn't long before they started dating. Cheng was still married, but because his wife was away for work so much, he was able to have an affair with Hu, often hosting her at his house. One evening in 1988, Cheng and Hu were at his house when Cheng began to become paranoid. The next morning, he became convinced his wife would return to the house they shared sometime soon. Hu had only just woken up and Cheng was trying to hurry her out of the house, so she was a bit dazed and confused. 
There was no real reason as to why his wife would be coming back right now, and either way, it didn't concern her. She wasn't the one having the extramarital affair, he was. And so, she took her time getting out of bed and sat down in front of the mirror to begin doing her makeup. This infuriated Cheng. He could see who was taking her time, slowly doing her makeup one step at a time. In the midst of his anger and frustration, Cheng reached beside Hu and grabbed a pipe wrench which was placed just behind the door. He brought the wrench down on Hu's head so fast and so hard that it killed her pretty much instantly. After that, he needed to figure out exactly what to do with her body. He dragged Hu to the bathtub where he removed her clothes and then placed her inside. He then used a machete to dismember her and once he was done, took her remains one by one into the back garden to bury them. He started a small fire and burnt all of her clothes and belongings. The days passed and turned into weeks and no one came looking for who. Cheng may have thought he was safe and he got confident, so much so that he moved quickly on to building up a business of his own. He had a specific type of business in mind. He'd bought those dogs before he'd met Hu and was now looking to expand and make his hobby of looking after dogs into a business. Cheng attempted to make a dog breeding business. He spent time and money on building a large fence around the perimeter of his garden and got himself around 30 wolf dogs. However, he quickly came to realise that looking after that many dogs was proving to be very expensive and he wasn't making the kind of money he'd envisioned. Because of this, he decided he needed to change tact and that's when he'd found a different way to make money. Cheng sought the help of his cousin Xiao and the two of them formed a gang. Their plan was to eventually build the gang to a point where they could start robbing people and get money that way. Cheng and Xiao went to a warehouse that was part-owned by the Forestry Institute that they both worked for. Cheng had heard that the warehouse was full of weapons that had been bought and stored there, and so the pair snuck inside, and they managed to find a number of guns. They carried eight of them back to their vehicle and took them back to Cheng's house. Cheng then chose two of those guns and sawed off the barracks so that they were easier to transport to wherever they'd be robbing next. Cheng and Xiao still spent their days working at the Forestry Institute and whilst on shift, they would steal various things they thought could be valuable in any way. Sometimes it was food, other times it was furniture or money, and sometimes it was smaller things like plants. Whilst plotting the next robbery, Cheng would practice shooting the guns by taking them into his back garden and aiming them at roaming chickens or ducks. He learnt quickly how to aim and became successful at shooting the animals and killing them. And when he'd finished his day of shooting practice, he'd gather up all of the dead animals from that day and then feed them to his 20 dogs. It was at that time that Cheng spoke to his friend Yu Dewei. Dewei had been complaining to Cheng about the fact that his boss owed him money for some work he'd done. Cheng told Dewei that he could help. He and Xiao had already spoken about bringing someone else on board to their team of two to grow into more of a gang, and this was the perfect opportunity for them. They recruited Dewey and got to work on their plan of how they were going to rob his boss. In December of 1990, Cheng and Xiao drove to the local train station and flagged down a minivan. Cheng said they needed a ride down to a casino in the next county. Yang agreed and the two men got into his minivan. What Yang didn't know was that both men were carrying the stolen guns and were planning on making this trip his last. They planned to force him to drive to Mr. Lee's office so that they could recover the money. Then they'd shoot the driver, steal his car and escape. 
Yang started driving in the direction of the casino on their way. Yang started driving in the direction of the casino and on their way, Cheng said he needed to go to the toilet and so asked Yang to stop the vehicle. He replied that it would be better for them to stop a little further up the road because there was a public toilet there. It would save Cheng having to go on the side of the road, he said. Cheng used this as a sign. He winked at Xiao, who took that as his signal to shoot the driver. But Xiao had never shot anyone before. He was nervous and in a panic, he missed his shot and instead the bullet flew through the door and caused it to swing open. Yang was facing forward when all of this happened so he didn't see it. Instead, he assumed that the loud bang was a tyre having blown out and so he pulled the minivan over to the side of the road. He got out of the vehicle to check but instead of seeing a flat tyre, he instead saw the bullet hole in the minivan side door. Cheng saw all of this as it was happening and so shouted that someone was shooting at them trying to kill them. Assumedly because of the panic that had taken over at this point, Yang jumped back into the minivan and, once both the men were inside, he sped off down the road. All three men spoke about how terrifying that had been and Cheng suggested that they all go back to his place to have some tea. Yang agreed and he drove them back to Cheng's house. We don't know exactly how this next part happened, but somehow Cheng managed to get Yang to go into the house first. And as soon as Yang entered through the front door, Xiao aimed his gun at the back of Yang's head and pulled the trigger. They went on to dismember Yang's body using a machete and then wrapped him in a number of canvas sacks. And this time, not all the pieces would fit. And so they ended up feeding some parts to Cheng's dogs. The rest of the body parts were buried in Cheng's backyard and they got rid of the minivan by leaving it in a car park a little while away. It wasn't until a month later that Cheng and Xiao would murder their next victim. They'd been worried after killing Yang that the police might get wind of their growing gang and if they did anything else criminal, they'd be caught. But by January of 1991, they decided they'd taken enough time out and were ready to get going again on their robbery plan. This time, they, along with Dewey, took a taxi from a bus station hailing a cab owned by a man named Zhang. They told him to drive in the direction of Yinchuan Nursery Farm. And as he started driving, Xiao, who was sat directly behind him, pulled out the gun and aimed it at Zhang's head. The taxi was approaching an area of town that was pretty much abandoned. Cheng checked that there was definitely nobody around and told Zhang to pull over. And he did. But Zhang had pulled over sharply and that caused Xiao's shot to miss Zhang completely and instead it shattered the windscreen in front of him. This time, the would-be murder victim was under no illusion. It was crystal clear what at least one of the men had been trying to do to him and so Zhang scrambled out of the car and onto his feet. He darted as fast as he could away from the car and towards the direction they'd just come from. At the same time, he was shouting that he was being attacked and the men were trying to kill him. Cheng and Xiao had never imagined someone would escape and so they got their guns and began shooting at Zhang. Although they didn't manage to hit him, they did manage to catch up with him. Being just inches away from a gun, Zhang had no choice but to kneel down onto the ground. Cheng handed his gun over to Duwei and ordered him to kill Zhang, but he refused. Instead, he handed the gun back to Cheng and Cheng didn't hesitate. He shot Zhang dead and then pulled a knife out. He turned to Dewey and told him he now needed to be the one to dismember the taxi driver. Again, Dewey refused, saying he'd be sick. 
And so the three men bundled Zhang's body into the boot of the taxi and began to make their way to Dewey's boss, Mr. Lee's business address. Dewey had now seen what Cheng and Xiao were capable of. He knew that if they made it to Mr. Lee's work, then they would kill him too. Dewey hadn't wanted him dead, he just wanted the money owed to him. Thinking on his feet, Dewey told the men that it was just too early for Mr. Lee, he wouldn't be at work yet and so there was no point in going in there. Cheng and Xiao believed him and rerouted towards Cheng's house. They told Dewey he could go under the strict instruction that he wasn't to tell anyone. He agreed and they believed him. Dewey had seen what they could do. They'd done it before and they were certainly planning on doing it again. If Dewey even considered grassing on them, he'd end up dead too. Cheng and Xiao buried some of Zhang's remains in the back garden at Cheng's house before covering them with concrete. They also fed some of the remains to Cheng's dogs. After that, and much like the murder of Yang, they decided to abandon his vehicle in a car park. This time, they chose Dongfeng Bathhouse. It was towards the end of that same year that Cheng met Ms. Lu. She was dancing in a ballroom when he'd noticed her and made his way across the room to speak with her. Lu worked at a cotton factory and was in her early 20s. She told Cheng that her family was helping her to find a rich person to marry. The pair spoke some more and ended up spending the night together. They met up again the next day and then, it's not totally clear why, but Cheng agreed to find a certain amount of money that he'd then gift to help Lu out. Cheng then took Lu out for dinner and afterwards he invited her back to his place. Lu agreed and they headed back together. They spent the night together and then in the morning started getting ready. Lu got her makeup out and just as she was about to put it on, a huge blow pounded her head. Cheng had taken his gun and shot her. She fell to the floor, where Cheng then dragged her out of the room, out of the house and then into the back garden. He left her remains there to be eaten by the dogs. He checked back in on the state of the back garden after a few days and found that the dogs had gotten rid of most of the evidence. He gathered up anything that was left and burned it. It was less than two years later that an opportunity came up for Cheng that would change the lives of him and many people forever. A movie called An Old Man and His Dog was being made and the main character needed a well-trained, perfect-looking wolf dog. The director eventually settled on Cheng's dog and Cheng got the opportunity to be on set with the dog, making sure it behaved and took instructions. And he was cast as the body double for the main actor. His day-to-day -day work included working with Mrs. Yu, a crew member who had taken a liking to Cheng. Yu was married, as was Cheng, but that didn't matter to them. The pair started an affair soon after the movie's release, and this actually resulted in Cheng giving Yu a key to his house, the house he shared with his wife. He didn't mind her being there, and in fact welcomed it, on one condition. She could come and go as she pleased as long as his wife wasn't in the house. She couldn't, under any circumstances, find out about the affair. Yu agreed and the affair continued. Though it halted a little in early 1994 because Yu's dad passed away and she had to leave the area for a while. But by April of that year, the pair had rekindled their affair and now Yu was back properly. She called Cheng one day and she asked if she could see him. He agreed and so the very next day they went to his house. The pair had a proper date night, visiting bars and restaurants and eventually ended back up at Cheng's house. While they were there, Yu told Cheng that she had some news to share with him. She was pregnant and the child was probably his. We don't know exactly what was said during the rest of that night or into the next morning, 
But what we do know is that the following morning, Yu was putting on her makeup when Chung snuck up behind her and aimed his gun at her back. He pulled the trigger and Yu fell down. We know she didn't die straight away and likely was looking at him whilst she lay there, bleeding out, before she did eventually die. Cheng buried Yu in his back garden, this time as a whole body rather than feeding her to the dogs, as he'd done with Zhang, Lu, Yang and Hu. During all of this time, Cheng's dog's appearance in the An Old Man and His Dog movie had caused him to become quite a talking point amongst the locals. And in time, word got out and it wasn't long before he was inundated with offers to buy the dogs he'd been breeding for the last few years. Word got out and a man called Ma Wei became interested. Ma Wei had attended the same school as Cheng many, many years ago and he was looking for some help. He'd bought 10 Tibetan Mastiffs, very expensive dogs, who he'd then not really understood how to train. He wanted the now well-known Cheng's help in training them. Cheng did initially agree, but at some point, shortly after that first conversation they had, he learnt how much those 10 dogs would be worth, and it was a lot of money. That night he spoke to Xiao and the pair concocted a plan. They were going to kill Ma Wei and steal his 10 dogs, but... The next day, when Ma Wei returned as they'd arranged for him to do, he happened to mention that he was a police officer. This new piece of information worried both Cheng and Xiao, and so they decided not to kill Ma Wei and just let him go. But they'd psyched themselves up for this next murder, and the money that would come from killing the unsuspecting Ma Wei. And so, when Cheng was contacted by another person who had previously known him from school, he decided he might be able to make some money off of this man's demise. The man, Zhang Ming, told Cheng that he had a business opportunity for him. He wanted to buy 1.5 million yuan worth of cashmere wool from Cheng. Cheng said yeah, he'd be able to get that amount of cashmere wool. Of course, he never planned on actually getting the wool. And so, Zhang Ming left with the promise that he'd have the money soon. The days passed and while Cheng was waiting for Zhang Ming to come up with the money, another old school friend called Li Sanwei got in contact with him. Li and Cheng reconnected and became close again pretty quickly and this led to Cheng feeling as though he could trust Li and so he told him about the money he was about to get from Zhang Ming. He added he believed the money was just stored at Zhang Ming's house. He'd agreed to sell him all that cashmere wool but he didn't have it so he was planning on stealing the money from Zhang Ming instead. In early 1995, Cheng invited both Zhang Ming and Li Sanwei to his place. He made them both a cup of tea, but in Zhang Ming's tea, he sprinkled a number of strong sleeping pills so that he would fall asleep. It worked, and that's when he told Li the plan. He pulled out a gun and told Li he needed to kill Zhang Ming. Li had never been in on the murder plan. He'd never agreed to it, and he wasn't even sure if Cheng was being serious. He told Cheng he wasn't going to take the gun, and he certainly wasn't going to shoot the sedated man sitting on the sofa chair in front of him. With that, Cheng raised the gun to Zhang Ming's head and shot him dead. Now he was dead, they just needed to go to his house and steal the money. But when the pair arrived at Zhang Ming's house, they were only able to find a couple of hundred yuan. They searched the place again, but they were on a time limit. Zhang Ming's wife would be home soon and they couldn't risk being there when she got back or they'd have to kill her too and that would risk drawing more attention to themselves. Cheng was convinced though that they didn't need to search the house any longer. They'd found all the money that was there, he said, adding that he was sure Zhang Ming had stashed the remaining money somewhere else. They just had to find out where. And that's when he hatched his next plan. 
Cheng waited until the next day, when he went to a payphone and called Zhang's home phone. As he expected, Zhang's wife answered. At this point, she didn't know her husband was dead, and so Cheng presented himself as a business partner of Zhang Ming's. He said that he needed to know where the bulk of his cash finances were kept. It was for a business venture, and it was very important he had the details. Zhang Ming's wife was suspicious. Her husband had never told her of any such business venture, and by this point, she was beginning to worry about where her husband might be. She then called the police and reported her husband as missing. Authorities were suspicious of Cheng and brought him in for questioning. Things weren't adding up, and when it became clear he had been the last person to see Zhang Ming, and during the questioning he lied to them about a number of things, they escorted Cheng back to his house. The reason for escorting him back was so that they could continue to question him and look for potential evidence in his house. But when Cheng went back to, quote, lock up his dogs, he actually climbed up onto the roof of the kennel and jumped over the fence and ran away. With Cheng's escape, officers began searching the house with the forensic teams. They found a number of guns that, although they didn't know at this point, had been used to murder a number of the victims. They also found bloodstains throughout the house and in the back garden, and they found human remains. Even though the authorities weren't able to find Cheng immediately, it wasn't long before they tracked down his accomplice, Xiao. Xiao confessed to the murders pretty much straight away, adding that Yu Duwei was also partially involved, and so they were both arrested. Eventually, Cheng made his way to Weiyang District, where his nephew worked. Now, his nephew wasn't around, but he did start talking to another employee who invited him in for a cup of tea. During their conversation, the employee realised that the man sat in front of him was the same man who was on every wanted poster pasted all around the local towns. He managed to alert the police and they ambushed him. They arrived to the location dressed in civilian clothes because they were worried that they could be met with aggression and violence. But they managed to surprise Cheng and arrested him on the spot. Dewey was given a suspended death sentence, which meant that, providing he didn't commit any crimes for the next two years, his sentence would be reduced to life in prison. Cheng and Xiao were sentenced to death in 1995, with Cheng stating that the women he murdered deserved it because they had interfered with his family matters. Both men were killed straight after their sentencing, and all of Cheng's dogs were sadly put down too. Cheng Peng killed six people in all, and the result of his actions meant that 20 dogs were killed too. And even now, over 30 years after his execution, the city of Yin Chuan remembers Cheng Peng as one of the most horrific serial killers to ever have lived. Thank you for listening to this episode of Red Rum. Thank you so much if you have left a review on Apple Podcasts or um, given us a, a five-star review on Spotify. I read all the reviews that come in and I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Um, you can find ad-free and early release episodes on our Patreon, which is linked in the show notes below. And we also have a YouTube channel, which is linked there too. I will see you next week for another episode of Red Rum. Bye.